question that went missing. Better be a good one. That's all I can say. I'm, well, you've looked forever for it. Look Even forever. had somebody come in and help you look for it. I just don't get it. There's, there's so much about technology. That... Mm. Question for Barker. I will be joined, by the way, by Brad Thompson, Cardinals pre- and post-game analyst in a few minutes. Going to tell us how good the right-handed pitcher gets. <laughs> what is Miles Smith? We don't even have to ask what he thinks. Uh, question for Bark. Vlad and Tio have both made a lot of soft contact recently in field pop-up soft grounders. When slumping, did you try to let the ball travel deeper in the zone, or is the better approach to still try to stay on top of the ball and get the front foot down? In-season swing changes are impossible and not needed here, in my opinion. But are changes in approach in season something that can be done with a high level of success? Love the show. You guys get me through the toughest part of the weekday. Thanks of the workday. Thanks it. for that, Dustin. That's from Dustin in Toronto, and mm. uh, he was on so, was on Blue Jays. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there, and it's very individual. That's an individual conversation to be had with with each individual hitter. I, I know when I was a player and I was struggling, I did a lot of tee work. I wanted to level out, flatten out my swing as much as I can, and hit it back where it's pitched. I, that was my ultimate goal. I didn't try to do anything other than that. That kept me inside the baseball, and that tended to level out my swing. Now, when I played a lot of the times, I didn't face guys that were throwing 98, 99, a hundo a lot, which is exactly what these guys are, are facing, and I didn't have to beat the shift. Trying to hit the ball, hit the ball over the shift is, a, is an almost impossible feat, especially now that they're facing all of these hard-throwing right-handers who you don't face a ton of in one game. It's rare that they'll face a guy three times in one game. And then mm-hmm. when they do face the bullpen guys, it's two guys coming out of there, just throw a bazillion miles an hour, and typically they're right-handed. <laughs> and maybe it's a it's a weird angle from their, you know, an arm slot. So you're trying to get the arm slot. But I just know when I was when I was slumping, which is a little, I slumped a, a little bit when, when I played. So I got a lot of chances to, to try and figure these things out. I wanted to simplify that as much as I can. I want to simplify my drills. And I didn't want to listen to three or four different people. Mm-hmm. Took me a little while to get old enough to go, yee, give them the Heisman. Get away from me. I don't want to hear it out of your mouth. I had a certain person now that was that varied year to year. You have, to learn, have, you have to learn how to tell people hard. to go. It's very yeah. hard. You you listen to the Blue Jays hitters, those young guys. Listen to Santiago Espinal. He says, I got four or five different people that I listen to all the time. Really? Okay. I mean, if that works for you, it didn't work for me. I had to have that in one individual person. But, it, again, it is very individual, and I just tried to simplify it, level out my swing as much as I could. The tee's boring. A lot of people don't like hitting off the tee because it's boring. It's you and your thoughts. I always used to say that. I don't need a hitting coach to come in and watch me hit off the tee. I can do it myself. I get a big giant bucket of balls. I put the tee up, and I really work on flattening my swing out and thinking about where I wanted to hit the ball. I could I could actually manipulate that barrel to have it go to left center, to have it go to right center, to have me get out in front and pull that ball down the right field line. And I could actually do that off the tee and feel it and, and get to my finish. I was a big finish guy. Bo's having success now because he has better balance in his lower half and he can get to his finish easier and he can stay in his finish. And that's because he's swinging at better pitches to hit. I mean, that's real simple. All these things of where he's swinging, it's fun to listen and listen to him talk and listen to watch his helmet fly off. Not for me. When he gets a good pitch to hit, you see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's because he's balanced and he can get to that finish that he has. I was sort of the same way. And I think, you know, Blue Jays hitters, when they learn that, they'll, they're, they're, their uh, slumps will be smaller. You won't go five for 50 as much. 
Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I hope that helped. Yeah, and that was a good question, too. It was a very um, good question, but it's very individual. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, so if you ask 10 <clears throat> different hitters, Jeff, you'll get probably 10 different answers. Well, we talked a little bit about uh, last week when the Mariners were in town and Scott Service, their manager, was asked about that. And, you know, he, he said there are there are kind of different philosophical approaches to coming out of to coming out of slumps. You could be patient or you can be aggressive and attack. And and it's finding the balance. And he was very clear. He said, look, our approach as an organization is generally to be aggressive. Like be aggressive when you're in a slump. Don't sit back and try to let stuff happen. Go out there and try to make stuff happen. I do believe he was thinking about be aggressive on your pitch. But because if I don't like the ball middle of the way on the black, yeah, why, why am I swinging at that? Oh, well, it's an easy out. But I think that was his point is have almost have a positive mindset when you go up there and say, I'm going to see my pitch. That's the word. Positive. I'm going to see my positive. pitch. Positive. It's hard. And then if you get out when you're struggling, if you're 5 for 50 and you're Teoscar and your first at bat's awful, it's very hard to man up. Now you mentioned it. It is very hard to man up and, and just forget about that as quick as you can and, ha- and force yourself to have a competitive bat in your second one. It's hard. I mean, it takes... It takes that spine occasionally uh, for you to just say, gosh, man, this is tough, but I'm going to have to do it for me and my team. Felipe Alou always used to talk about the first play of the game. If it's not made, you've lost. That's, there's and, something to and that. And he, he would, really he, is. And, and I can see that with, with, with hitters. You, you need a spark, and if that spark doesn't come, it's not that guys mail it in after that, but if you don't get that spark in the first at bat, you, you talk to guys. They'll tell you, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, you show up at the ballpark, you're five for 50, but it's a new day. Everybody says it's a new day, and you're optimistic. You've come out of your hitters meeting, and you know the pitcher, and can't wait to get out there, and you get out there, and you roll over. Now it's five for 51, <laughs> and there comes the second at bat of the game. It, it, it really is. There is a mental aspect to oh. it that, that guys will tell you about. And, you know, despite all the, you know, analytics telling you that your exit velo is good and all this stuff, Exit velo isn't going to matter when you get to arbitration. If you've hit 223 and you've hit the ball hard, but it's right at people. It's tough to sell five for 50. It is really tough to sell five for 50. We mentioned that the Jays are in St. Louis. They will play a brief two-game series against the Cardinals tonight. 745 Eastern is the first pitch. Brad Thompson is a Cardinals pre- and post-game analyst, former Major League pitcher. He joins us in Blair and Barker. Brad, thanks so much for joining uh, Kevin and myself. Um, look, I, 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 right now I'm almost, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Albert Pujols or, or Yadi Molina get the start tonight. Um, because they're I mean, right-handed. Because they're right-handed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, why not? They can't believe me. It'd be easy lineup, uh, for them to pitch against. Seriously, the Cardinals beating the Pirates 18-4 yesterday. Steven Matz leaves early in the game, gets an MRI in his shoulder. Um, and as we mentioned, Yadi Molina. Uh, it comes into that game. And, of course, we've seen Albert pitch in, in, in garbage time as well. But all kidding aside, what? where are those two guys right now, Albert and Yadier? Like we know where they are in, in terms of their career, their great careers and all that. But realistically, what are they supposed to bring to this Cardinals team? Yeah, so uh, both and first of all, guys, thank you for uh, having me on. I appreciate talking to you. Look, both these guys are, they're in a really good space, uh, and I, I mean this in the nicest way. They're like two schoolgirls right now running around. Uh, like their best friends are back together, and they're all smiles. I've never seen Yachty this happy. I haven't seen Albert this happy in years. But from a baseball standpoint, 
Uh, when used right, and I'll start with Albert. Mm-hmm. Albert is killing left-handed pitching, and that's where he should be deployed. I mean, Al- Albert should be put in spots where he's facing lefties. He's hitting 409 against lefties. He's got a 1231 OPS. Like, that's what he is now. We saw the Dodgers use the template last year, and it worked. If you have a roster where you can place him in and he faces lefties, he's going to be good. Now, there are some guys, some right-handers that don't throw as hard that profile a little bit better for him. And I don't believe that to be uh, Barrios or Gosman in a two-game set against you guys. But you got to pick your spots with him. With Yachty, offensively right now, he's clicking. Like he, He's not going to hit a ton of home runs for you, but he'll drive the ball all over. Had that bat the other day. There was a runner on second base, uh, no, uh, nobody out, and he just fought to hit a ground ball to the right side. Like That's what he brings, these smart professional at-bats. And he still helps usher a pitching staff, whether it's veteran guys or young guys. He still has phenomenal value there. Luckily, the Cardinals also have Andrew Kisner behind the plate that can give you give you something. But the bigger part of it is these guys know how to win. And the Cardinals, just like the Blue Jays, I think that these are two teams that are, are kind of in a similar spot where they haven't quite hit their stride. They're still winning games, but not to the clip that they believe that they were going to do. I think that having winning players – really helps put you over the edge. Albert and Yachty have been through every situation a baseball player could be in, and they've excelled at them. So those guys are really going to help carry you through the end of the season. You may, you may have answered this a little bit with Albert, but how, how has the DH in the National League helped the Cardinals? So it, it just it provides more flexibility again. Uh, for him, you can platoon him with the lefties. Uh, they've been working against right-handed, uh, right-handed pitching, Corey Dickerson has been in the mix. Uh, in fairness, uh, Dickerson has not been very good from, from that side. So Albert has been getting more and more of these at-bats. But it also allows the Cardinals to get some of their guys off the feet. Paul Goldschmidt is on fire right now, uh, but you'll see Goldie serve as a DH here and there. You'll see a you know, young guy like Juan Yepes or Brendan Donovan bounce over to first base. Same thing over at third. Nolan Arenado has been able to get off his feet a little bit more, yet still keep his bat in the lineup. And obviously you're able to roster and deploy a guy like Albert Pujol. So uh, the versatility has just been really big for this club because offensively to this point, uh, especially April. It was really slow, and I know that you guys over there uh, with the Blue Jays could say the same thing, uh, that it just hasn't been clicking. They've needed to rotate these pieces around, so the DH spot has really allowed them to do that. Uh, you mentioned called Paul Goldschmidt, and, and I, when, whenever you mention his name and I think of the Cardinals, I think of Lunch Pail. And, and for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't think of really of Nolan Arenado because he's a superstar, I think, on both sides of the ball, what he can bring. But Paul's a different animal. Like, he just sort of that guy that you don't really hear a whole ton about just goes out and does his everyday job, sort of protecting the people around him in the, in the lineup. He's a, he's a good defender. What does he bring to that team? Yeah, yeah, Kevin, you, you bring up a really good point. I was just talking to Dan McLaughlin, uh, broadcaster for the Cardinals for, for years, about him just a few minutes ago. Goldie reminds me of a former teammate of mine and, and future Hall of Famer, I believe, in Scott Rowland. Like, mm-hmm. Scott Rowland was a lunch pail guy, too, right? Just comes to work. He's ready to do his job. He does all the prep work. And then when he goes out there and he goes four for four with three home runs, he's still trotting around the bases, actually running around the bases the same way he would no matter, you know, no matter what, like just the same guy. So he brings Goldie brings that consistency to a ball club that any club needs. You, you know what you're going to get out of him, whether he goes 0 for 4 or he goes 4 for 4. Uh, and uh, this month of May so far, he's hit over 400. He's got an OPS over 1,200. Like everything is clicking for him. 
But when you walk into that clubhouse and you talk to Goldie, he's the same guy that was struggling in the first two weeks of April. So the consistency, the work ethic, he's also helped these young guys a lot. Juan Yepes is another guy. So come up from the minor leagues. The Cardinals got him in a trade a few years ago uh, in a deal that sent Matt Adams to Atlanta. And Juan Yepes has uh, been at the hip of Goldie and at the hip of uh, Albert Pujols. Goldie's teaching them fundamentally around the base at first base. So just a good teacher and a level of consistency. And you're right. I'm sure and you've been around Paul Goldschmidt in the past. Goldie doesn't give you a ton and he hates to talk about himself and he does. He'll, he'll prop up his teammates, but he's consistent. And as a manager, I love to be able to rely on guys like that. Brad, uh, Tyler O'Neill got off to a slow start. He's now in the IL with the right shoulder impingement. Impingement, pardon me. Do the do the Cardinals think that is the reason for the slow start? I think what he's hitting is he. I don't know. He might be hitting a little under two hundred uh, with a couple of homers and twenty ribbies. Yeah, look, it, it could be a factor, but I don't think uh, I don't think they believe that that's what it is, or, or wholly mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, you guys know this. Uh, you know, if you have a little nagging injury, it can affect a, a lot of different things. But in watching O'Neill this year, from watching him last year, he's been really pull happy this year. And if you make a pitch, you're going to get him out. Last year, he made the adjustment of off-speed pitches and breaking balls. He'd be able to stay back on them. He'd shoot them up the middle, and he'd go the other way with it. This year, he's pulled off of everything. So I think he got to that point uh, where he was pressing and he was trying to make – I heard you guys talking about uh, Teoscar Hernandez, trying to make every every pitch and every at-bat, make that the one that gets you back. And I think he was spiraling. So this this shoulder injury, and I don't believe it's a a very severe one for him – Hopefully it provides a reset because Tyler O'Neill hit 34 home runs. He hit for average last year. He got on base, did a lot of things. He was eighth in the MVP uh, voting in the National League. The Cardinals can't afford for him to be a non-factor in 2022. So he is uh, he struggled, and the hope is here after this stint uh, on the IL, and uh, he'll go out on rehab and get some at-bats because he needs some at-bats that he gets back to where he was before. But I I do think that the wheels are turning for him maybe a little bit too much upstairs. He's too good of an athlete to be thinking as much as he is. Uh, This is about the time of the year, 40 games in, is about the time you start looking at teams and going, this is sort of what they need. Blue Jays is no question. They need a a good left-handed hitter. Is there something that stands out to you with the Cardinals to win the Central? I'm sure they're trying to win the Central. They just don't want to creep into the – or back into the playoffs. They don't want to win win the Central. Is there one thing that you see – that they absolutely need to take them to the next level? Well, there, there's two that stand out for most people, right? One is a shortstop because uh, Nolan Gorman, their young prospect, and you get an opportunity to see him uh, tonight and, and tomorrow. He, he came up, he's playing second base now. So that bounces Tommy Edmond to shortstop. I think that Tommy Edmond can be like a, a Chris Taylor or Ben Zobris type player that plays all over the place. He can bounce around a little bit. But if there is a shortstop out there, and I know that there's been chatter about Xander Bogarts potentially being a guy, boy, that would be a big boost for the Cardinals. But the other one that stands out to me, honestly, guys, is another starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. You, you have uh, you have Adam Wainwright, who is beating Father Time. Boy, and he's like one of my favorites, one of my favorite teammates ever, and one of my favorites to watch go about his business. He keeps doing it. Miles Michaelis, who's on the mound tonight, the Cardinals have needed him, and he's been one of the best pitchers in the National League. But you mentioned Matt's earlier. Stephen Matt's, we don't know, awaiting wait, uh, the results of the MRI on his shoulder. And it's been a roller coaster ride so far uh, in his St. Louis career. 
Dakota Hudson had Tommy John last year, kind of struggles around the strike zone, good sinker. And Jordan Hicks throws 103 miles an hour, but he's thrown 38 innings in the last three years combined coming into this year. So to me, that's where the Cardinals might have to look at the trade deadline is another starting pitcher, but not just a depth guy. They did that last year. They weren't throwing a lot of strikes. They brought in Lester on the tail end of his career, and they brought in Jay Happ. They might have to be swinging a little bit higher when it comes to another rotation arm. Uh, what have you made of Oliver Marmol, Marmol so far? The, uh, he is the youngest manager, I believe, uh, of a major league team. Um, yeah, it makes me feel old, guys. He's 35, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, how's he been, and, and, and what changes has he brought about? You know what? I think the biggest thing with Ollie is really his communication with his guys. Like, everything is up front. There is no, you show up to the ballpark, and say, oh, I'm hitting six, or oh, I'm out of the lineup today. Like, he is he's very diligent in his communication. He's an organizational guy, a lot like Mike Schilt was. I mean, they, they came up through the organization, and really a disciple of Schilt as well. But something that uh, Ollie, I think, does a, a very good job of is just building relationships. And it's not just with the players, and it's not just with the stars. I'm sure, uh, you know, Kevin, you've played for guys like that. It's like, oh, the stars, we love the stars. But all the other guys uh, are just kind of on the fringe. You really don't have that relationship. He built his relationship with all these players, but he also has it with his staff. And I think that one of the biggest things that Ollie has done, he lets his staff work. He doesn't go out there and try to micromanage every single bit of it. He trusts Mike Maddox. He trusts Jeff Albert. He trusts Brian Eversgird out in the bullpen. He trusts Willie McGee with his outfielders. Like uh, uh, the worst thing you can do as a manager, as a head coach in another sport, is try to micromanage every little bit. And I think that Ollie just really has trust in his staff and trust in his people that they're going to do the job. Yeah, you mentioned that. Dusty Baker is the guy for me that st- stands out. He he treated uh, the 25th guy just exactly like he treated the superstars. But uh, Miles Michaelis is throwing tonight. Do, do you know who's uh, pitching in game two? And the big question Jays fans want to know, is he right-handed? Yeah, well, I, I believe uh, it should be Jordan Hicks. I don't know if they've made it definitive yet, but Jordan Hicks would line up for that start. He is right-handed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and he uh, he throws uh, 103 when yeah. he wants to. The thing, thing about Hicks, though, he doesn't throw a ton of strikes. Uh. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> maybe he doesn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, it maybe it wasn't. That that, no, that, but I get it. I get it. Well, you guys come in with lofty expectations, right? Sitting here sure a few do. games over 500, uh, and it's not where you want to be. So uh, let, let me ask you a little reverse engineering, right? When you're looking at uh, the, the offense, I'm going to be on, on the call tonight for the game. I'm going to be watching these Blue Jays hitters. I'm looking at some of the numbers. They don't add up to where they've been. Is it just one of those slow starts thing? Is, is it an approach? I mean, what what has gone on largely with this offense? Boy, boy, you sure hope it's a it's a slow it's a slow thing. But you know, I, I think for me, it's it's too big of a sample size now to not be approaches. And the the kryptonite of going the other way, taking what the pitcher gives you, is a thing. And when you've got a bunch of right-handed hitters who you can get out the basically the same exact way, Brad, it, it is a if you don't have a sinker, which Miles does, he has the sinker slider that's in and away to a right-handed hitter. If you don't have that, you just go four seamer away, slider away, and you're tunneling that. And for whatever reason, whether it's pressure, whether it's expectations, buying into going up the middle the other way somehow for whatever reason is not a thing the Blue Jays want to buy into. And that's why you see the runners in scoring position where it's at, that's that. It's not good. And the adjustments have to be there, and it's not going to get any easier because you can see teams are lining up these bunch of right-handed yeah. power throwers. It's we mentioned they have, the, tough. they have the fewest plate appearances against left-handed pitching of any team in baseball. Yeah. I mean, teams are just running out righty after righty after righty. 
I wonder, is, is, do you guys think, and I'm sure I heard you guys kind of on the tail end just talking a little bit analytically, do you think that that's what we're running into a lot of? Is Everybody is just seeing, well, I, I'm getting paid for my doubles. i got to get my homers. i got to get my ISO. But we're forgetting to do the, all of the other little things that actually help teams win. Because we were talking about Goldie a minute ago, and he's a good example. He's locked in right now, but he's driving the ball all over the place. You throw him away, he's going to hit a double down the line. You throw him in, he's going to hit a double down the left field line. Uh, do you think that we're just seeing so many guys get caught up in these power numbers that we're forgetting how to hit? Maybe, maybe that, you know, too, I think it's hard for a hitter, Brad, you know, as well as anybody, it's hard, it's hard for a hitter to buy into that pitcher is really good. He throws mm-hmm. really hard. He's airing it out from pitch one. It's hard to make adjustments that, you know, you're trying to hit it over the ship, which is not the easiest thing. I just think for the Blue Jays, at least you're going to see anyway, they're trying too hard. And when you try too hard, you tend to expand and it's sort of that here we go again. It's like when that runner's on second base, Vladdy comes up, he swings at the first pitch, pops out to the first baseman, and you could sort of see the entire team go, oh, it's our best hitter doing the same thing over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day, here we go again. And they can't, and they sort of seem can't get past that, and it's an issue right now. And the best hitter well, who, Kevin, who wanted to win it, who came out and said he wanted to win the Triple Crown this year too. Like, doesn't look like it. There's a lot of pressure <laughs> on him. Sure. It happens. Well, who was it? Uh, was it last year that uh, Eugenio Suarez said he wanted to hit 50 bombs and then he ended up hitting like a buck 20? There it is. Like, yeah. Be careful what your expectations are. Absolutely. Exactly. Brad, really good of you to join us, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brad. Nah, fellas, I appreciate you having me. Best of luck this year. Looking forward to seeing you guys this week. Thanks, Thanks a lot. man. Take care. That's Brad Thompson, Cardinals pre and post game analyst. Um, it's going to be kind of cool to see the, Card- the Cardinals. The Cardinals are I like the Cardinals. Franchises. Oh, they're one of those franchises that, I mean, I used to listen to Jack Buck. They're the Rays of the National bet. League. Well, with probably not as the high-end talented pitching. Brad mentioned that, that they need another starter. Yeah. They don't have the depth when it Boy, comes to that. Sure. But they sort of lunch pail it and, and they have run the bases and run the base. And, and most of the time play defense. Now, I know last year was They have a defense. factory where they run out. They run outfielders out of two. Like, they just – They, they, they do. Just, yeah. they, they churn them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm actually looking – Nolan Gorman, you know, we talked about – top prospects and of course a lot of talk about Adley Rushman. I look forward to seeing Nolan Gorman as well. And I'm and I'm really looking forward to seeing Nolan Arenado. I just love watching Nolan Arenado play. Now that's not he's one of the best players in baseball. That you know that that's that's not rocket science. But happy feet at the plate, which is impossible almost to do to time all yeah. that up and get it set to where you can get but in an man, athletic he, position. He does it. It's pretty cool to watch. And tell you what, there will be there will be some really good third base defense tonight. In this series, there will you there got will. Two, of the, two of the elite defensive third. I've said this to you all fair, and I'll and I'll say it, I'll continue to say it. It's it's sort of a little unfair to Matt Chapman. I think that's why we expect Matt Chapman to be so good on both sides of the ball because of how good he looks defensively. Sort of like Nolan Arenado is. He's as good an offensive player as he is defensive player. And it's sort of not fair to Chapman to to ask him to do that on both sides of the ball. I think. Yeah, and I also think the other thing with Matt Chapman is the. It, we know that the Jays tried to get Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. and I think the Jays pivoted off that in order to get Matt Chapman, and and that's and I think they're, you know that that realization is going to stick in the minds of some people. But you know he's not Jose Ramirez, he's not Nolan Arenado, but he's the best defensive third baseman you've had here since Scott Rowland, and. I mean, that's... It's a fact. It's a fact. And just take a look at how many balls 
hit to that side of the field, have had plays made on them this year that wouldn't have had plays made on them. And even though I know that hammering Bo for his defense is a cottage industry in this city, the fact is Bo's defense is not that bad. And the reason it's not that bad is because part of the reason it's not that bad is because he's got Matt Chapman playing to his right. So, um, I, look, I've I said this when Matt Chapman got here. All my expectations for Matt, Chap, Matt Chapman were play platinum defense, hit a lot of doubles, hit more than 20, 25 home runs. Don't hit a buck 90. Don't hit a buck 90. Which is uh, what he's but, hitting now. But, but uh, yeah, if you want to hit 230 and do the other there stuff, you go. I'm more than happy with that. Uh, more it, than happy It with would that. make it look a little easier if Vladdy was doing his thing. And, you know, Bo was hot most of the time until Oscar wasn't five for 50. So you're trying to, you're, 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 you're spreading the blame out when that's not the way it's supposed to be a, a little bit. Again, it, Santiago Espinal is hitting fifth. I, for me, that's all you need to look at is that's, that's not the way it should be. It's just that's a lot to ask these guys at the bottom of the order to pick up the slack for the guys at the top of the order. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yep. Santiago Espinal has been doing well more than his share of picking up the slack. Uh, he is one of the Jays' leaders in war. He is still the leader in war, I believe, among position players uh, on this team. He's had a terrific year, and don't think we have that discussion anymore. We had starting spring training about a possible platoon at second base. I know Dan Shulman made a point, and and you know keep in mind that it's early in the season, but I guarantee he's going to get some some votes for Gold Glove this year as well. He's he's a terrific a terrific defensive second baseman. Again, I cannot stress enough. If you're looking for something to really really feel good about with this team, in addition to the starting pitching, it is the defense. The infield defense is better than it's been in some time, and his. Emergence is one of those reasons. Santiago Espinal will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blair and Barker for a long weekend Monday. The show will be replayed from 5 to 7 on Sportsnet, 590 The Fan. Uh, you can uh, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Let's not waste any time. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about, obviously, the Blue Jays and their offensive problems this year. Uh, there's one guy who uh, has really, well, it really flourished uh, in the first the first six weeks of this season, not just offensively, but defensively as well. He is Santiago Espinal, and we're very pleased uh, that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Santiago, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. Um, look, we've we've talked about this a lot. Uh, how would you, if I if I said to you to give give me a word to sort of sum up why your season has gone as well as it's gone, what would that word be? Um, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me here. Um, you know, I would say uh, consistently, consistency. Um, you know, all the work that that, that I've been putting in the off season, coming into spring training, and being prepared for for any opportunity that the team will give me. Um, but yeah, I would say consistently, and um, just, you know, just staying ready for any moment. 
Sandy, whenever I watch you offensively, you know, I, I heard you in spring training say you'd put on some some more muscle in your lower half. Man, I wish if, if it would just have been that easy, I could have put some, you know, some strength on my lower half and been as good a hitter as you as as you've been. But is it is it something? Is there something more to it offensively? Is it you've shortened the leg kick? Is it you're a smarter hitter? Because I do see some. You, you're, you know, your bats are a little smarter. Like you're a little bit more game plan. You and you go up and are able to apply it. Is it? Is it? Or is it all of the above? Uh, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. So, um, what I've been doing, well, what I changed uh, this season was uh, doing a little bit of a leg kick. Uh, I know last year I had only a little bit, but this year I just uh, brought my legs a little bit higher up. Um, and I feel really comfortable. I feel like I can see the ball better. I can read uh, uh, pitches better. Um, you know, for and every time that I go up to play, I always have a plan for every pitcher. Um, you know, in the dugout, we have these iPads where the pitchers, the percentage of the pitchers, and like how how, how he pitches to players. And um, you know, I go I go for that that information. And um, you know, for every pitcher, I I have a plan and I I stick to that plan. Um, you know, because um, I feel like if I stick to the plan, I feel like everything will play out. Um, I don't want to have like a second, second thought in my head and and just and just go out there and swing. Um, but pretty much I just having the same plan every time I go up to the plate and um uh, for every pitches that come into the game. So like you know, it's been working out so far, and um, I'm I'm just gonna keep. Doing Santiago, how, how how hard is it when when the team is having issues offensively to because it is a team game and these are all your friends and everything, but how hard is it to kind of keep what you are doing in perspective? Like you can only do what you can do, right? You can't help other guys necessarily when you go up to the plate. You've got to worry about your own at bat. But how hard is that when guys you've come up with are scuffling a bit? I mean, you know, it, it, it's pretty hard, you know, but um um, the team that we have, the, the talent that we have, I feel like we're going to turn it around at some point. But, um, you know, my job, what I, what I, in, in my part, what I think about is just if I get on base, I know one of the, one of one of my guys are going to bring me in, you know. So my job is to get on base, do the little things right. And I feel like doing those things, I, I, I'm going to do the job. So, like, um, so far what I've been doing is just, Every time I go up to the play, I, I'm, I'm trying to get on base every time. I'm trying to get on base. I'm trying to get to the second base uh, as, as soon as I can so I can so anybody else can drive me in, you know. Um, but what I've been worried more about is just trying to get on base so, so we can get it run quick. So, um, you know, it's not that easy. It's not easy, but, um, you know, uh, time will come. And, you know, there, there's only been 40 games. But, um we're just going to keep grinding, and um, we're just going to keep getting on base and trying to get those runs in. Sandy, you, you've moved around a little bit in the order. You've hit bottom of the order. You've hit fifth. Uh, you know, we see Vladdy move from the two spot to the three spot. D- does that do anything? Does that does that change your mindset? Does that help any? Does that hurt any? Does it, you know, does that do anything to you to make you have or, or make you make adjustments that you normally wouldn't make just by moving around in the order? Uh, you know, in my part, like I told Charlie Montoyo, um, it, it, to me, it don't matter where I'm at. Um, it can be bottom of the order. It can be first, second. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Um, I feel comfortable wherever they put me. Um, I'm, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm not, you know, I'm not scared to, to, for, of anybody, any pitchers. It just, 
I'm just going to go out there and compete and trying to get on base and trying to do the right thing for the team, you know. Um, I know the last couple uh, days I've been hitting the fifth. And, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. I feel pretty, I, I feel pretty comfortable hitting in the ninth, too. So, like, like I told Charlie, it just it doesn't matter where they put me. It just I'm just I'm just going to go out there and compete. What does it feel like when you hear you know, Dan Schulman's made this comment, and we've heard other managers as well. Aaron Boone was talking about your defense uh, earlier this year, and they say, you know, this guy is good enough that he can win a Gold Glove at second base at some point. What does that say to you? And and do we maybe should we make more of a deal about how much you've improved defensively as well as offensively? You know, um, um, when I hear comes like that, obviously it makes me happy, but uh, it makes me uh, motivate myself to keep working harder, you know. Um, in the off season, I know I, I, I did a lot of work in, the, in spring training. I also did a lot of work on my field and, and, you know, it, it just transferred that to the season. So, like, uh, my focus is just to stay consistently on both parts of the end. And, um, you know, I, I know it's not easy, but I know with my work, and I know if I'm going to keep doing my work every day, I'm going to I'm gonna do a pretty good job. And, um, you know, um, what I'm worrying about, I'm not worrying about anything else. It's just staying consistently. And, and, and you know, um, I feel like if I stay consistently, I'll be in a pretty good spot, not just me, but the team too. So um, consistently is it, it, the, the important word in this matter. It sure is. Whenever I was trying to play a little bit of first base, I, I needed to work on every single day, and I was listening to you talk there about you wanted to stay consistent. And I remember myself, I wanted to catch everything out in front. For whatever reason, I'd let the ball travel a little bit too much, and it would eat me up. I'd get those in-between hops. Is there something defensively that you know when you come to the field every day that you really need to hone in on, and it will make your entire game defensively that much better? Oh, yeah. So, uh, um so to tell you the truth, uh, when I, I I do a couple of drills um, on my fielding with with Lewis and on the machine, where we get these little hops and um, you know we play it out from there. But um, when we go into the ground balls, what I do first, I just count my hops. I count the hops that I that I should be taking, and you know we have we also have a clock on the field that can actually time like they can like they can tell you like how fast you did it like it's like a game time so like i go from there but the, the the first thing i do is just count my haps and i feel like counting my haps will make me more comfortable will make me think will make me have more time will make me realize what i what i need to do how fast i need to get to the ball and how i need to play that ball you know so i've been doing that a lot this year with louis and um it's been working out so far i i Every ground ball that I get, I feel pretty comfortable with it because, you know, just moving my feet and counting those halves in practice, it will transfer to those games. And, um, you know, it's been good so far. And um, I really like this drill, and um, I'm just going to keep doing it, you know. Okay, I got got to ask. You know, when you guys do the the four-man outfield, you're the guy that runs out there and and plays in in right field (laughs) next to that right field line. And, Santi, I can remember when I played first – John Gibbons put me in right field in Yankee Stadium. It's the only time I ever pl- I ever played the outfield in, at the big league level, and I felt sort of like a fish out of water. How do you feel running out there? Like, is it something you've had to get used to? Because it's even different, you know, looking up and, and catching a fly ball differently because the angles are different. How, how have you, you know, been been honed in on that? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you something. It's not easy. People <laughs> think it's easy just playing in the outfield. It's not easy. Um 
when so in practice what I do is just um I tell Bob Basinski um that I'm gonna go to the right field. I'm gonna, I want to get some reads. I want to throw the second base just in case, you know, because you never know what you can get in the game, especially in the outfield. Um, so what I tell the coaches is just uh, I want to go to the right field when we play four men outfield and and, and do some, uh, you know, read some balls, read some balls out of out of the bat and um, throw the ball to second base and like make sure that I feel comfortable before the game. And that's what I do. It just keep practicing on the right field um, and, and making sure that I'm comfortable before the game just so when the game comes, I'm ready for it. I don't want to be nervous. I don't want to be had no doubts in, in the outfield because they can get really ugly in the outfield too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it, especially when you go to a new ballpark, you know, like you're going to be playing in St. Louis mm-hmm. tonight. You, I don't, you mm-hmm. probably never played the outfield there before. Is it important that you go there and, and at least get an idea of what it looks like, right? What it looks like to be in right field, to catch a ball and have to throw it to second base against the backdrop. Is that something you'll do tonight, maybe an extra drill? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was something that I would do tonight because, you know, I, I never I never played here in St. Louis, uh, here in St. Louis and, um, you know, I don't know how it is. I don't know how the outfield is. So that that's one of the drills that I do before the game. You just go out there to the outfield, know the outfield, Throw the second base, see how it is, see how the, the the hops play on the grass and stuff like that. So that was something that I do, and that is something that I do on every series that we go to. So every stadium that we go that we haven't been, I do that. Even even if we go to the Yankee Stadium, I know we've been to the Yankee Stadium, but I still go out there and do my drills and do and do everything that I have to do before the game just to make sure just to have that confidence before the game and be prepared for 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 any for any fly ball any ball down the line you know any hops that I can get so ready for it before the game and, and mentally ready too Santi really good of you to join us thanks Great. so much man keep it going good luck thank you so much guys thank take you. care have a good day you too Santiago Espinal the Toronto I learned Blue something. Games. Yeah, that's counting hops. I, I've, I got to be honest with you. I've talked to bazillion infielders, and I've never heard a guy tell say it count hops. And and you talk about Bo and the internal clock, and they have the clock on the field, which we've all seen. You see that during batting practice. That's what they're doing when they're taking all those ground balls. Is they have that big clock, yep. so the infielders can see. But he's saying it that he uses his internal clock on, on how many hops the ball's taking, and he wants to count those. That's I mean, it's almost genius if you think about it because now he can play a little deeper. He knows how many hops that it takes. If a ball's hit this hard, the, the, the hops are this many. This guy's running. I know I have this much time. And that would explain why when he's running, the backhand, the flip, the throw, how much time he has. I mean, it's because he's good just doesn't happen because. No. He's getting it done because he's, he's prepared before the game actually happens. Right, and cool. he we've talked about in spring training how he was one of those guys who was always out there early with him, mm-hmm. him and Bo. And, you know, during the pandemic, he ended up staying with the Bichette family. I think was I think he and Forrest Wall were the two guys that ended up staying with the Bichette family. And it is interesting because people tend to sort of lump Flatty and Bo together all the time. But, but Santi and, and Bo have a thing. When you watch them work out together, there's a lot of, a lot of back and forth. Um, you know, you really get the sense that those two guys, that they have each other's, they have each other's back. And, you know... I, I, I got to say this, Santiago Espinal, uh, you know, defensively at second base, you talk about your comfort level. Uh, 
my comfort level with him is absolute. We get a ball hit to him. Now we did see that one play during the homestand uh, where he was in, they were in the shift and he kind of he kind of let just kind of let up a bit on it. But that was rare to mm-hmm. see him make that type of mistake. I will be interested in seeing how infielders have to tailor their game next year if they do away with the shift because that's going to be a different look for a lot of guys. But the one thing you know with Santiago Espinal, like I've got to think that he's already kind of thought about that and he won't be caught off guard by it. You will see you will see guys prepare a little differently in spring training next year for that. And and I just think it's Look, I think it's cool when you you get a guy who was acquired in a trade that at the time no one thought anything of that trade. Mm-hmm. Just thought the Jays were doing Steve Pierce a solid. Sure. And good on them. Why right. not? Good dude. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, he was a good teammate, spoke highly of Toronto. Absolutely no harm done there. But, man, somebody in this organization, when they picked that name out, somebody, a, somebody in this organization did, 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 did a hell of a job because it's – I, I – didn't think I'd be saying this at any point this year. It's really hard to imagine a Blue Jays lineup without Santiago Espinal in it right now. It really credit. is. Give him credit. He took the job. He took the Absolutely. job. There, there was a competition Absolutely. in spring training, and he took the job. Good for him. Absolutely. He made every he adjustment he has to make. with the. You do, he sees a little two-strike approach tonight. doesn't always do that, depending on the hitter. Uh, that's And the defensive side of the ball, when he, the ball's hit to him, you're out. And do you know how rare it is now for guys to win a job in spring training? It's hard. It, it doesn't happen as Especially much as Especially on used contending to. teams Absolutely. with the expectations the Blue Jays sure got. It's, it's hard. Um, hey, you know what time it is? We still got time for this. It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. Man, it's the clock I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get out, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence. Like, I got this one, you know. The umpires would throw the balls out. Like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead one. Bring in the dead one. Hey, Bark, why don't you just not worry about it? <laughs> Bring in the dead balls. So many places I could go with that, but I won't bother. It's Barker's Back Leg Bits. This is where you get to ask uh, Kevin questions. And uh, you can do so by DMing me, SN Jeff Blair. Uh, my uh, messages are open. Terry Whalen, this has been bothering me for a while. The post-game Gatorade shower during interviews. Uh-oh. How about saving that for when you were in first place and hitting higher than your weight? <laughs> okay. That's uh, from Terry. Th- this this is me. Whenever, whenever I, whenever I we was... We talked about this early because we... We've talked about when I, when I when I was a player that that for me was more left to to walk off hits. Not every single time that you're having an interview, you want to go out and dunk water on somebody. And sometimes you got to be careful who you dunk it on. Like you you could tell the last time that Bo was showered with the water, he 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 basically gave a look like, hey dude, don't be afraid to hit some homers before you start dumping water on people. Now nah, that's it's just the way it is. Like it's occasionally when 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 guys are not hitting and they're and they're trying to figure out things. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to read the room, and and that's a touchy subject again. I, I, I'm not in the clubhouse enough to to understand the feelings on that and how they feel about that. But just by the the fishing and the way the looks are being given, probably not the right time to always do it. Occasionally, guy walks, guy walk gets a walk off hit. Yeah, do what you gotta. Yeah, but not all the time. I gotta tell you, the reason I ask that too, we get I, I cannot, honest to God, I can't tell you like three or four times every day during the slump. The questions about. The, the Gatorade showers and the, and jacket. the jacket. And fans are talking about it. Now, I, I don't listen. I don't have a problem. I, I don't have a problem with, 
with the jacket at all. I mean, my God, I'd rather do that than stick a guy in a laundry cart and roll him down the... I hope we see it more. I, I do homers. too. And I think the the message behind the home run jacket is interesting, kind of the inclusive. It's a it's a team thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I watch for that. Like, I watch the reaction of other teams to it when it first happened. And you can tell. You can tell when you're doing something that other teams aren't. And I didn't get that sense. You know, and, and I couple of interviews with visiting managers when it when it happened and I sat in in the dugout when their writers asked and managers all said it's like it's fun it doesn't take you know our guys don't look at it and go Jesus they're putting the jack on Matter no- of, I'm trying to think who it was that I wish we'd thought of it it might have been might have been Brandon Hyde said I kind of wish we'd thought of that idea I don't know about you but there's no question the Yankees don't like the Jays the Rays don't like the Jays the Red Sox are getting right there too there's yeah. a little hatred for but I don't think it's got anything to do with the jacket it may not it's just a, everything that goes with I, I remember uh I re- Tyon was waiting on the Blue Jays to walk off the field I believe it was that, Rios yes Tyon didn't like that no and they had the my, whole rotation go, coming in move yeah. it along uh they didn't like it but, George Bell's mustache oh I, I love it yeah this guy's good I keep telling myself the Jays can't really play worse and they are still three games over 500 I live in St. Louis so I'm going to the games I promise you I will yell every at bat tonight to split the plate in half <laughs> nice. and sit heater he said I'm gonna do Barker's job for him I hope it works George uh George is the greatest it, it would be absolutely absolutely great we got somebody who wants to trade Kirk Tapia Relvis Martinez Groshans and Tiedemann for Juan Soto I'm all in on that one. Uh, Cadence. Hey, hi, Jeff. Sorry to say, but you and Kevin are wrong about Manoa. Main reason is your ace pitcher wanted to finish. He's talking about Saturday's game. You don't upset your okay. ace pitcher. You let him finish. You have you have to sign him long-term uh, and not this will be a sticking point in negotiations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, he says at some point, this is a good. At some point, you need to manage with your eyes and feel instead of what the analytics tell you. That from I, Cadence. I, uh, he's he's going to get paid a lot of money for going eight innings and one run ball. He consistently does that. He's going to get paid a ton of money. Uh, th- that Look, everybody's going to have their own opinion. I'm just telling you what I know. And what I know is their closer needs a clean inning, and they don't like giving even if it's their, you know, that, that, that ace pitcher is a strong word. There's like a handful of aces in, the, in Major League Baseball. But Alec Manoa could be their number one. I like that. That, that getting ticked off and, and others, look, he'll get over it. He won eight innings, one run ball. Uh, I want to squeeze this in very quickly. Real good listener. Alexander W. lives in Tokyo. And he's saying last year the pitchers saw the crackdown in sticky, sticky substances. Uh, do you think the implementation of PitchCom this year is screwing up the hitters the same way the sticky substance crackdown did in pitchers this year? I was curious because not only are pitchers working faster, uh, not only are pitchers seemingly working faster, there had always been an art and tradition of relaying signs to second base. He said the Jays, of course, are struggling with runners in scoring position, which coincidentally is defined as having a runner on second. Thanks for the great show. Looking well, forward to your insights. That's a, that's a great point. I, we I, talk about the really ball a lot. That. But I never have really thought about that. Me, that could be a little bit of an excuse. I, for me, I know they always say, and you always say this, that, that the, the at-bat is dictated by the guy throwing the baseball. See, I, I disagree with that. You just, it's easy for a hitter to hold his hand up to the umpire and go, hey, he's waiting on me. Not the other way around. He's waiting on me, especially when the, when push comes to shove and that dude's standing on second base and I know how our team's doing. This is bat's going to slow down a little. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw it when I'm ready to, for him to throw it. And I think there's a little bit of that sometimes we can throw and, and, and invent excuses when just quite frankly the team's not getting it done and right now they're not doing a good, job, not a good enough job of making adjustments. Yeah, I, I think I do think there might be a little something 
with certain hitters with pitch comp. The more like I've watched a lot of baseball on, on TV the past couple of weeks, and there are guys around the game. You can still tell Aaron Judge isn't a fan of it. Rizzo you can don't still like tell it either. Rizzo doesn't like it. Um, who, who else did who else did I see on, on the Red Sox this weekend? Uh, Devers was kind of muttering. You know how yeah, Devers I, is. I need time to close my eyes. Let's go. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, 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 he was he was he was he was muttering a little bit about it. But I think you know I, I think guys guys have come to accept it, and uh, you know they have no choice because I can tell you one thing: Pitchcom is not going away. If anything, you're going to see more and more teams use it. As the year goes on, talk to John Schneider about that. Like, there's not, there's very little pushback. Even teams that weren't originally doing it are starting to do it now. Uh, that is it for Blair and Barker today. We will be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. And don't forget, Blue Jays talk tonight immediately following the Jays-Cardinals game. Have yourself a great rest of your Monday.